Good morning. My subject this morning is the character of God. So I would like to open by introducing God for a few short minutes and then go into a few characteristics of God. It shouldn't be very long, so let's get started. God, what is God? I always like to start off with the definition, so what is God? God, the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Man cannot fully comprehend this. We cannot fully comprehend how God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It's pretty amazing if, if you really go into it. God is, he is the ultimate supreme being, and he was not created. Revelations 4.8 says, he was and is and is to come. Where is God? He's everywhere. In Jeremiah 23.24, God asks us this question. He says, do I not... Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? When is God? God created time. He's not confined by our time. He's in the present, he's in the past, and he's in the future all at the same time. It's baffling to think about that he's in the present, he's in the past, and he's in the future all at the same time. So let's go into a few characteristics just for a minute. Power. God is so powerful that he created the universe and everything in it in six days. Not just earth, but you think about the entire universe. You think about how many stars and how many planets and how many everything is. God created that in six days. Truly amazing. But the Lord is so wise that he put immense details into everything, but especially in people, but not like a factory. So let's just think about this for a minute. Let's think about noses, all right? Everybody's got, everybody's got a different Nose, right? It's different shapes, different colors, but they all fulfill the same purpose. You know, there's animal noses that work better than human noses. My nose currently does not work very well because it's broken. <laughs> but we're going to try to get that fixed. But just think about that. It's not like a factory. They're, everybody's different. We're each unique, but all made in this image. Holiness. His standards are not attainable but through Jesus Christ. His standards are not attainable but through Jesus Christ. Wrath. God's holy wrath could and will destroy what he created in the six days. Um, think about fire for just a minute. We hear a lot about wildfires today, and you think about what they can do. But a wildfire afterwards, uh, it's actually amazing. The, when you clear out brush, afterwards it tends to actually, the forest it tends to go back healthier. Um, but that won't be the case when God comes back with that fire. That fire will destroy earth. It's pretty intimidating. Love. This love is not cheap. It is priceless. I think it's best said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And in closing, I think this sums it up all pretty well. First Timothy. 1 Timothy 6.11 But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. I hope this has encouraged you to seek after God and learn more about his character. It wasn't funny either. I already thought, man, my eyes are getting bad. And I was really getting worried about it because I have a little eye trouble anyway. And then I realized I had my computer glasses on. Because I've got some computer glasses. And so I said, thank God. <laughs> See, better than I thought I could. So I already had one blessing. 
Now I got some good news. It's kind of bad news for me in a way, but it's good news. I didn't sleep well last night. And that sounds like bad, but really good because I got so enthused. I wish I could be less emotional sometimes. But I got so enthused about my subject, I couldn't even start to sleep. So it's an unusual, uh, and you kids got to listen to that. I know y'all want you to listen. Don't tell me you do. You, you, you can't fool me. I know how you do. I used to do that too. I like the songs over pretty well. Maybe we had some lively songs. But then when the preacher gets to his old foot, uh, hoping to go too long. <laughs> y'all can't do it today. I'm going to talk to y'all today. I've got an unusual subject. And the, you grown-ups are welcome to listen for a while. I'm going to get some stuff for you at the end. I'm calling this... Putting the bread on the bottom shelf. I'm going to put the bread on the bottom shelf today. So you kids listen. If the bread's on the bottom shelf, the grumps will all get something out of it too. I'm going to talk about salvation by grace. Y'all going to listen now? Y'all listen at least for a while, okay? Then I'll get the grown-ups. Y'all can tune out a little bit. You shouldn't even tune that out. I'm going to talk about salvation by grace. Put the bread on the bottom shelf, and I want you parent to care... Write a few scriptures down, maybe even some of you kids to go back and work on later. I'll talk about salvation by grace. What, what is salvation anyway? Let's give a definition of salvation, okay? I might ask some of y'all later. Salvation, uh, some synonyms are it's to save, to rescue, to deliver. When you save somebody, you rescue them, you deliver them, uh, you save them. And so in this particular situation, what we're being saved from, uh, and by the way, I'm just going to hit the high points. Every, I can preach. I told Isaac not long ago, I said, I wish I could be like a Methuselah and live for 969 years and preach every day. That's how much is in the Bible. It's a glorious book. So rich, so rich. And we need to realize how rich it is. Anyway, we're delivered here. No, y'all, we're, we're being saved, right? Rescued, delivered, saved from God's wrath from hell. That's a terrible thing. Reagan even made mention of it a little bit. It's a terrible thing, God's wrath and hell. And you know, when you die, you either go to hell or heaven. And they both of them last forever. And hell is so horrible, it's impossible to even describe it. Don't even want to describe it. But isn't it good? And I hope that you, grown-ups and all of us, will appreciate grace more today. When I get through, we ought to always be reminded of how great the grace is. And that's why I wanted to sing those two songs, Amazing Grace. It is amazing. We sing it so often, we probably kind of tune it out sometimes. We shouldn't do that. It's amazing grace. John Newton had, it's amazing grace. That God can save a wretch like me. We don't realize what wretched we are sometimes and how holy God is. But he meant that. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. It's amazing. And I hope it will always be amazing to us. But we're also saved from sin. We're not, we're not, uh, we don't sin like people who are not born again. We still sin a lot. We're not slave to sin. So that's where we're being delivered from that, from Satan. You know, Satan is real, kids. He's a real ungodly spirit that's powerful. He wants to destroy you, destroy me. You've got young lives, and uh, you've got promise. You've got good bodies and minds, and you, you, the, Lord, the devil wants to destroy all that. He wants to get you on the wrong track. And there's all kinds of influences we have that get, get us on the wrong track. We've been delivered from that by his wonderful salvation. So Satan from the world, the world we live in is horrible today. It's worse than it ever had been. I agree with Andy Carter yesterday. He did some good preaching, by the way, down at the Olive Branch meeting. And he talked about how bad the world is. But he don't think it's ever been as bad as it is now. I kind of agree with him on that. Some of his transgender stuff, it's just, it's just insanity, big time insanity. 
And so it's just crazy how the world's going. So the world system, God's going to save us from this world system also. We need this deliverance because we're sinners and God is holy. Reagan mentioned God's holiness. God is perfectly holy. He cannot fellowship sin. And so we're sinners. All of us are sinners. We're born sinners. You kids are born sinners. Uh, we're all sinners. We don't really know how bad we really are. And God's a holy God. We need salvation. So that's what salvation is, okay? Salvation. Now, what's grace? Let's talk about grace a little bit. The definition of grace. It's a, I'm a, I'm a, it's a free gift. Grace is a free gift. Uh, it's something you do not, you did not, and cannot work for. You, you, can't, you did not work for it. You cannot work for it. You don't have the ability to work for it. Uh, it's something you don't deserve. So grace is a free gift. You don't deserve this. It's a absolutely best free gift you've ever gotten. Salvation by grace. And so I'm going to give you some scriptures. This is the ones we're memorizing on uh, Monday night for our, I mean, Wednesday night for our kids. You all know it. It's one of the first scriptures I ever knew in my life. I, I thank God. When I was just a kid, I knew this verse, these verses, because the preachers preach on it all the time. I hope we never get tired of these verses in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Write those down, parents, and you've been working on them on Wednesday night. Keep on working on them. You kids, make sure you get these memorized. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that faith is something God gives you when you're born again. But you, you have it. If you're born again, you have faith. That's the ability to believe on God and love God. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, that any man should boast. Okay? Now, let me give you another scripture. That, that's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. I'll do that again. I won't get in a hurry today. For by grace are you saved. Through faith, that not of yourselves, is the gift of God, not of works, that any man should boast. Now, there's a great definition of grace in Romans eleven six. I'm going to read it to you. Grace and works don't mix. You know, they say oil and water don't mix. They don't. And grace and works don't mix. If you if it's works, if you do anything to get saved, then grace is excluded. Uh, I'm going to make that plain. I, grace will, I'll talk about that a little bit later. Grace won't make you lazy. It'll energize you. Some people say, well, if I believe in salvation by grace, uh, I just do anything I want to do. Well, if you're born again, you will do what you want to do is to serve God. If you want to just go ahead and live in sin, you're probably not born again. You're, you're pretty backslidden if you are born again, and God get, he'll deal with you on that. But anyway, grace, there's no works for grace at all. Let's read that to you. Y'all ready? Romans eleven six 6 is real plain. And if by grace, then is it no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. If it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Let's read that again. That means that grace and works don't mention. The minute, the minute, you, bring, the minute you bring works into it, you excluded grace. Now, we work hard as we're born again, but not to get saved. We work because we are saved. In fact, I didn't go far enough in Ephesians 2. Let me give that to you again and go down to verse 10, okay? For by grace are you saved, through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, that any man should boast. We're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God had before ordained we should walk in them. That word should doesn't mean we ought to walk in them. It means we will walk in them. I can show you the Greek if you want me to. It don't mean you ought to walk in them. It means you will walk in them to some extent if you're born again. So grace, you don't work to get born again. But if you are born again, you work for God. And we ought to work for God more and more and more, shouldn't we? Isn't that beautiful, though? Let's read that Romans eleven six again. And by grace, then it is no more of work. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. If it be of works, then it is no more of grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. One more scripture on this. 
Well, the Bible's full of this, just filled with these scriptures. Write these down, parents. Write them down, kids. Work on them a little bit. Salvation. Remember, being rescued, salvation by grace, we don't deserve it. Pretty plain. All right, Titus chapter 3, verse 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So it's not by works of righteousness. We ought to do works of righteousness, and we will do works of righteousness to some extent. We ought to do more and more of those. But it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. All right? Let's go a little bit further then on something. Uh, you don't even get this by exercising your will. Here's what some people think, and I'm not faulting them. I'm glad everybody believes in, I'm glad more people are believing in more grace. I wish they'd come all the way. Some people say, well, we know you don't work to get saved, but you believe in order to get saved. That is not true. You believe because you are saved. You cannot believe until you are saved. Make that real plain now. Some people say, well, you've got to exercise your free will. The problem is, when, 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 when Adam fell, Man lost his free will. Man lost his free will. When that, Adam had free will. He's the only individual ever had free will. You don't, because your will, like Martin Luther wrote a book called The Bondage of the Will, and your will is in bondage to your sinful nature. You have no free will. I've said this in my little book I wrote. And, and you kids listen again. This, you'll like this, I think. You boys like this especially. Uh, let's say there's a main, real lion, a real main lion. He's hungry as he can be. We've got to feed this rascal. So over here, we're going to put a great big old bloody steak. I'm going to put a whole bunch of Cheerios over here and turn that line loose. What's the line going to go for? Give me, what's he going for? He's going for the meat. How many times out of a hundred will he go for that meat? A hundred out of a hundred. You know why? That's that lie of nature. And so our nature is, we're sinners. So let me give you the scripture on that. It's not your free will. Here, Romans 9, 16. Romans chapter 9 and verse 16. So then... It's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Not of him that willeth, not of him that runneth, of God that showeth mercy. Okay? Now, I'm going to follow my notes closely. I'm going to take it, I won't take it as long as you think I will. I'm giving the kids a short lesson. I want you all to still listen when I get with the grown-ups in a minute, okay? But listen real good right now especially. I wrote this down, and I don't want you to remember this. I want everybody to remember, God gets all the glory. I underline in my notes, all. God gets all the glory. This is not cooperation between God and the sinner. Some people say, well, you've got to cooperate with God. You've got to do your part, and then God does his part. My friend, here's your part. You do the sinning, and God does the saving. You want that? That's your part of the sinning. We shouldn't be doing it. God is the saving. God gets all the glory for salvation. I don't know whether they still had this ad or not, but used to, when I was a kid, ivory soap was 99 and 44, 100% pure. Y'all remember that? Well, some people think salvation is 99 and 44% pure. God does 99, 44, you do the rest of that. That is not true, brother. God is 100% the one who does the saving. He gets all the glory. All the glory. Now, let me tell you what I've got written here. This has to be because man by nature is dead and trespasses in his sin. Man died in Adam. He died in Adam in a spiritual way and began to die in a physical way. The seeds of death were planted in Adam and Eve and they began to age and deteriorate, my friend, and finally died. That happened to all of us. The outward man is perishing. The inner man, thank God, is renewed 
day by day. When you're dead, you can't do anything. Now, if a man is bad sick, you can help him out. You can help him out. But he's dead, you can't do anything. I'm glad we have medical devices like wheelchairs and all that, aren't y'all? But what if a man is, my, is dead in the bed there, and I bring the most expensive wheelchair in the whole world up there, how much good is that going to do him? Not one cotton picking bit because he's dead. Now, if he's real sick, I'm glad to get that wheelchair to him. He needs that wheelchair. He needs a lot of stuff. I'm glad they can help him. All the IVs in the world won't bring a dead man to life, my friend. And all the things we can do will not bring a dead son to life. He is dead, dead, dead. And there has to be a miracle exerted upon him before he can live. This had to be because man by nature is dead in trespasses and in sin to absolutely nothing to save himself, to help save himself, even to cooperate with his salvation. He can't even cooperate in his salvation. Here's a verse on that. Y'all writing them down? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5. Even when we were dead in sins, God hath quickened us together with Christ. That word quickened means made alive. Isn't it good? We're dead in sins, but God quickened us and makes us alive when he regenerates us. All right, now, to finish up on the children's part, I'm putting the bread on the lower shelf. But I like that, don't y'all? Sometimes I like to get that bread off the lower shelf and eat on it and chew on it and enjoy it again. That's why my soul got so happy last night. God, thank you for salvation. Oh, that gets us a rotten sinner. I hope I can be like John Newton if I lose my mind. He said at the end of his life, I'm old now, my memory's gone, but two things I remember. I'm a great sinner, but I've got a great Savior. I hope to God we always remember that. I need to remember I'm a great sinner. If I don't, I won't appreciate salvation. I don't like it because I'm a sinner. I hate it. I'm like the Apostle Paul. I call myself a wretched man. That's why John Newton in Amazing Grace said, to save a wretch like me, that's what we are, wretches. People don't realize that. Or they give God more credit for salvation and be more glad about salvation. If they knew what wretches that we are, we're wretched people, individual. Like Isaiah said in chapter 1, we're full of wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. The top of our head, the bottom of our feet, my friend, if it weren't for the blood of our precious Savior. Oh, what a wonderful thing salvation is. All right, now listen, this is good. You remember this. I know you people remember this. A chain is just as strong as the weakest link. I remember when Judy and I lived in Clinton, Kentucky, and north of there a little bit is Columbus, Kentucky, and they had a gigantic chain there that the Confederates, I wish they, well, I'm not, let's go get the Civil War. <laughs> But the Confederates got this gigantic chain across the Mississippi River hoping to stop the Yankee gunboats. But the thinking thing didn't work because it had a weak link in it. If you got, you got, and those were big old links, big old links, I mean, massive links. Okay, here we go. Let's have, let's have a four-fold chain and see if it breaks. God the Father is one link. God the Son is one link. God the Holy Ghost is one link. And I'm a link. Oops, oops, oops. That last link messed it up, didn't it? I don't care what God the Father did, what God the Son did, what God the Holy Ghost did. If it depends on me, there's where the chain breaks. A chain is just as strong as its weakest link. I'm glad this ain't got, I should say ain't, excuse me, Judy, English teacher. I'm glad this chain has got three links in their strong links and they don't break. All right, now, let's talk about this a little bit. I hope this will be a good word picture. I'm trying to get the bread on the lower shelf. 
I'm glad Ray mentioned the wonderful Trinity, the blessed Trinity. That's a glorious, glorious truth. It's incomprehensible, the Trinitarian God, how we love that. How we love, by the way, I, you know, I love Grace Chapel. Don't you like that word, Grace Chapel? That, I like that. Got a good ring to it. Grace Chapel. We believe in salvation by grace. We moved to Clinton, Kentucky, started that church. We named that Trinity Chapel. They finally changed the name to Clinton because that's where it was. But I still think Trinity Chapel is a lot better name. I did that because I love the doctrine of the Trinity. God the Son and God the Father and God the Holy Ghost. My friend, the Trinity, just to talk about for a minute, one reason I like the Trinity is God is completed himself. He doesn't need anything. He does not need our companionship. I'm glad God wants our companionship. He wants our companionship. But he didn't have to have a companionship. Somebody said one time that that, a poem, God Trombone, that God was lonesome, so God had to make man. That was a pretty good old boy wrote that, but that line was wrong. God was not lonesome. God Almighty had perfect fellowship within himself. God the Son, God the Father, and God the Holy Ghost. He had perfect fellowship, that great doctrine of the Trinity. I want to talk right now about the Trinity in salvation. And then that, I hope it'll be good for you. I hope it will be. All right, here we go now. The verse on that, if you're writing them down, the verse on the God, the Trinitarian salvation, which is salvation by grace. The the scripture is First Peter, chapter one, verse two. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience. And sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. I'll read it to you again. The whole Trinity is that one wonderful verse. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace be multiplied. Now, here's a word picture. I got this from a good old. Uh, systematic theologian, I thought it was so good, I've always loved this. Let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about building the house of salvation with the Trinity involved. And get a few verses, all right? To build a house, and we're, uh-oh, we're thinking about that. About building a house, we've got to have an architect. Oh, Roy's a good architect. He's not here today. He taught a good singing school down there at Shoal Creek. I think he had a great time. Oh, Roy's a good architect. You got you got to have an architect. That architect, he plans the building, right? He plans it, and it's just wonderful uh, to see some buildings. Judy and I got to go last week to, on our anniversary to Magazine Mountain. I'll tell you that lodge up there. I was just amazed at that lodge. Man, what design is in this thing? I was just amazed at the design. Somebody was really a brilliant person designed this beautiful lodge. All these details. My friend, a good architect, has to draw something according to detail. But if you have the architect drawing that plan, it still doesn't do anything until a contractor takes that same plan and builds a building according to that plan. Isn't that wonderful? But then, you know, you may have a wonderful house. You have the architect to design that. You have the, the uh, contractor to build that, but you're still not in it. You've got to have a real estate agent to put you in that old house. Now, in this case, we got an irresistible real estate agent. But here we go. Let's go. God the Father's architect. We sang some songs today that even talk about that. Many songs in our book talk about that. God Almighty planned the plan of salvation before the world began. And that glorious 
covenant of grace. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit covenanted together to save his people from their sins. And my friend, our salvation, I'll read you a song here in a minute. I want to read you a song that talks about all that. Here's the verse. And, and of course, you know I'm just hitting the surface. You give, give many verses. God the Father's architect, Ephesians 1.4. According as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, we should be holy without blame before him in love. Let's read that again. Don't get too big a hurry. According as he, that's God the Father, has chosen us in him, chosen his people in Christ before the foundation of the world, we should be holy without blame before him in love. And we will be. We are now in justification, not glorification yet. So that's the plan. God made a plan before the world began. Our names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life before the world began. Some people say, well, we know your name had to be in the Lamb's Book of Life. When you accept Christ, that's when your name's written. They're way too late on that. My brother has said over there in Revelation in two places that, my friend, our names were written in the Book of Life before the foundation of the world. In eternity, our names were written in the Book of Life. God chose the people in Jesus Christ before the world began. They're our architect. But now we've got to have to have a contractor, aren't we? My friend, Jesus Christ is our contractor. He took that plan that God the Father drew in such a wonderful way, with intricate detail. He fulfilled that to every every jot and tittle. Everything God the Father demanded in that plan of salvation. The Son of God, hallelujah, fulfilled that. It's wonderful. So to tell you that, I'll give you the verse, the other verse I memorized when I was a kid. Now don't forget, that's the first two, that's why I love these verses. My heart leaped for joy when I was even a kid hearing these verses. Again, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But this other one was equally a joy to me is Matthew 121. We've also tried to memorize this on our Wednesday night. And she shall bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall save his people from their sins. He did everything that was necessary to save his people from their sins. He didn't leave a stone unturned. Isn't that wonderful? He pleased the Father perfectly and earned the salvation of his children and redeemed them by his own precious blood. That's wonderful, isn't it? But you know what? We're not in the house yet. Well, we are if we're born again. But you've got to get in the house of salvation. God the Father is the architect. God the Son is the contractor. God the Son, I'm calling him an irresistible real estate agent. He just he gets you in the house. He don't say, you want to get this house? He just gets you in the house. Okay, here's the verse on that. That's being born again. See, election means before the world began. Redemption is what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross. Regeneration is what God the Holy Ghost does to get you in the house of salvation. And I'll tell you the good news is this well, amen on this one. Once you get in the house of once you get in the house of salvation, you don't ever get out. Isn't that great? See, some people think you can get in and out. I feel sorry for some denominations that think you can lose your salvation. I tell you, friend, when you're in that house, you never get out of that old house. You're in there eternally, hallelujah. We got eternal life even right now. We have we don't enjoy the, all the fruits of it yet, but we have life eternal right now. This is life eternal. They might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. That's life eternal. We who are born again have life eternal right now. There'll be a continuation of it when we leave this old world. My, isn't it good to know? My friend, my soul will never die. All right, the verse on that, of course, is John 3 8. You ready for this one? The wind bloweth where it lifteth. That's where it pleases. We know that to be true, don't we? We've seen a lot of storms lately. Old Tony can say amen to that, I bet you. The wind blows where it lifteth. He had to work a lot of 90-hour weeks because the wind blew where it pleased and blew some trees down. 
And that, that poor over in Hawaii, when they had that wind that whipped the fire up there and burnt a lot of people and burn a whole town down. The wind blows where it pleases. The man cannot control the wind. And my friend, man cannot control the, control the Holy Spirit of God. It blows where it pleases. The wind bloweth where it lifteth. And thou hearest the sound thereof. We do. But canst not tell whence it cometh nor whither it goeth. We can't control the wind. Then he says, so is everyone that's born of the Spirit of God. Everybody who is born again, every elect of God, I'll put it that way, every elect of God, is born again sometime between the conception and their death. John the Baptist was born again in his mother's womb. David was made to hope on his mother's breast, Psalm 22. The Apostle Paul was born again in the middle of life. The thief on the cross got born again right before he died. But every child of God is secure. My friend, the fact that when the Lord God chose them and the Lord Jesus redeemed them, it's guaranteed the Holy Ghost will get them born again before they left this world. I hope that happened to my brother. I preached a sermon about that. I don't know whether it did or not, but I hope it did. Now, I want to do something else for just a little bit. You kids need to keep listening. I hope you got some bread off that bottom shelf. I hope it helped. I hope it helped. I hope your moms and dads will talk to them about this wonderful salvation. But I'm just going to talk about the glory of grace for a few minutes. The glory of grace. May we be re-enthused about grace and thank God for his grace in our lives. I've got a few scriptures I'd like to just read to you. And then I've got a few songs I'll read to you. Then I'll be through. I love John 1.16. My friend, salvation is wonderful. Of his fullness, John will say, of his fullness have, we, have all we received and grace for grace. He's got a lot of fullness, hasn't he? Reagan said he did. Reagan said God had a lot of fullness. He said he completed himself. He just got a big reservoir of his holy fullness. Of his fullness have we received and grace for grace. You remember what I told you William, William Henriksen said about that. That means grace in the place of grace. And here's what Hendrickson said. I love it. Every time I go to the beach or somewhere, I think about what Hendrickson said. We know when we go to the beach, we see the waves coming in. It's kind of fun, isn't it? And here, here comes a wave, and guess what? Here comes another wave, and guess what? Here comes another wave, and guess what? Another wave. At nighttime, I've been out there at nighttime, more waves. Daytime, more waves. Morning, evening, waves. They never stop. Brother, God's grace never stops. I'm an 82-year-old man. I'm telling you, I have had wave after wave after wave after wave after wave of grace. And I actually write about that too. I'm glad you said that. We don't really have anything to worry about. We do worry, but we shouldn't do that. Through many dangers, told and snared, I have already come. But God's going to see us all the way to the end. You can put that in the bank. We'll have living grace. We'll have dying grace. We'll have getting well grace, being sick grace. We'll have prospering grace, being broke grace. We have all the grace we need. God, know of his fullness, have we received and grace for grace. All right. You know, Romans 5, what a book, what a book. There are two verses back to back that teach great truths. And men have written books about these. I'll read them to you. I won't read the book. I'll read and tell you the name of the book. Romans 5.20 and Romans 5.21. Great verses. Let me read verse 21 first. Romans 5.20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might, be, uh, might abound. 
See, the fence bound. Paul said that in Romans 7. When the law came, he realized what a, how ungodly he was. But oh, look at this. Look at this. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. How about that? Yes, sin abounded, but grace did much more abound. John Bunyan, the wonderful one who wrote Pilgrim of Progress and suffered so much in jail, wrote a great book called Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners, based on this verse. Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners. Isn't that wonderful? Grace abounded more and more. Just like that song we sang about the grace of the last song we sang. The y'all sang. I just sit there and listen to you singing and enjoy it. Like a mighty rolling sea, grace abounded. For sin abounded. You're a sinner, aren't you? Don't you feel bad about your sins? Have you let God down? My friend, where sin abounded, hallelujah, grace did much more abound. So take heart, repent of your sins, and walk with God. And don't let the devil put a foot on your neck. Verse 21, though, of Romans 21, that as sin hath reigned unto death, yes, sin reigns unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto God, to eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Another man named Abraham Booth, a great Baptist that believed what we did back in the old days from England, wrote a book called The Reign of Grace. Two good books. Isn't that amazing? One man, John Bunyan, could write a book on verse 20, Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners. Then in verse 21, old Abraham Booth could write, The Reign of Grace. My way, grace reigns in your life. You may not always realize that, but grace reigns in your life. If you don't see how bad it would be, if you weren't born again, what would you be? We're bad enough as we are, aren't we? Even though we've got, my friend, I've got, I know I'm born again. But I tell you, sometimes I wonder. I mean, I know I am. You know what I mean? I said, man, how in the world can I be that bad? But I tell you what, my friend, got to overcome that. I would, where would I be if I weren't born again? I wouldn't even be fighting sin. I'd be giving in to sin. I'd be rolling it out of my tongue like a sweet morsel like many people do. I'd be doing everything I could, my friend, to gratify my flesh. But I fight against that because, hallelujah, God has saved me by his amazing grace. Now I want to close with talking about this. Again, my friend, grace will not make you lazy. Grace won't make you lazy. People, that's a canard that people give sometimes. And sometimes even preachers. I've been, I've been guilty of this. I had to confess it to you. It's terrible to be this. Well, I know better than this. If I preach too much on grace, I better be careful. They might get lazy. Well, see, that's my fault. That's just crazy. If I preach it right, it won't make anybody lazy. It'll energize you. You can't over-preach grace if you preach it right. Let's read a few scriptures on that. The Apostle Paul, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, 1 Corinthians 15, 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. We can all say that, can't we? But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. Not in vain in your life either. Paul's not perfect. He's a sinner like we are. A great man of God, a great apostle, he's still a sinner. He confessed it plainly. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace, which would be thrown upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. He's not bragging, I'm not through yet. He labored hard. He worked hard, didn't he? You will too, my friend, when grace gets a hold of you. If you're kind of goofing off serving God, I hope God will give you another vision of his grace. You want to serve him with all your might. He deserves our very best. Young and old alike. You, young, you tend to listen to me. You kids, us all serve God with all of our might out of gratitude for what he's done for us. 
I'll read that again, get a running start, and then close with his final clause. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Isn't that good? I told y'all one time what old brother M.H. Oakley said. I loved old Morris Oakley. He's a good old fellow. He's an eccentric fellow. He lived in Little Rock, Arkansas. I used to get his love to go see Brother Oakley. Real eccentric. He, he, uh, he was not a tightwad, but he knew. He, one time when he died, we got $25,000. Great Chapel out of his will. That a long time ago. Old Brother Oakley, he's a good old guy. He's the one, you know, we get to memorize the scriptures. And when he had, I passed 80 years old, he memorized five chapters out of the Roman letter. He said one day, he said, Brother Guess, I had to quit memorizing. Why, Brother Oakley? I spent so much time memorizing, I didn't have time to read my Bible. <laughs> he had a good old boy. But he said, Brother Guess, one day I'm over there, I'm going to tell you my theology. What is it, Brother Oakley? Here's my theology. Anything I do, good, give, God gets 100% of the credit for it. 100%. Anything I do bad, I take 100% of the blame. That's sound theology. So I've done good. I've got, yeah, you do good, but you know why you do good? I'll tell you why you do good. It's over in Philippians 2, 12 and 13. You work out your own salvation with fear and trembling because God works in you both to will and to do a good pleasure. If he left you for a moment, you would not do anything good. We're not robots. But brother and sister, we still have to give God all the glory. Paul did, yet not I, the grace of God who is with me. All right. I got one more to go, I think. Maybe, yes, yeah, one more. Wonderful scripture here. Titus 2, 11 through 14. Again, grace does not make you lazy or careless. The grace of God that brings us salvation has appeared to all men. That's all kind of men. Talk about the elect right there. The grace of God that brings us salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us. What does grace teach us? Teach, it doesn't teach us to be lazy. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Oh, and look at the last clause. Look at the last verse. Looking for that blessed hope and that glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us, he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, that means a special people, zealous of good works. I'll read that again. Every clause is wonderful in there. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking, all oh, this is good, isn't it? Looking for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify him to himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Now, I'll read you a song or two. You know these songs. I, we do some good singing here. I thank God for that. I believe your heart's in the song service. I already do. Uh, let me read you a few songs. We did two of them today. I want to do those last two of them. All right, salvation, O melodious sound. Salvation, O melodious sound. Salvation, O melodious sound to wretched dying men. Salvation that from God proceed and leads to God again. Rescued from hell's eternal gloom, 
from fiends and fires and chains. Raised to a paradise of bliss where love triumphant reigns. But may a poor, bewildered soul, sinful and weak as mine, presume to raise a trembling eye to blessings so divine. The luster of so bright a bliss my feeble heart o'erbears. And uh, unbelief almost perverts the promise into tears. In other words, it's too good to be true, but it is true. You've heard me say it before, haven't you? Let's say it again. It's too good to be true, hallelujah, but it is true. Next time you have a doubt, it's true. My Savior God, no voice but thine, these dying hopes can raise. Speak thy salvation to my soul and turn my prayer to praise. All right. Oh, 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 oh. get this. You talk about a sermon right here, listen to this. Grace to the charming sound. It's a melodious sound. It's a charming sound, isn't it? Grace to the charming sound, harmonious to the ear. Heaven with the echo shall resound, and all the saints shall hear. Grace first contrived the way to save rebellious man. And all the steps of grace display which drew the wondrous plan of our architect. Grace first inscribed my name in God's eternal book. Plus grace that gave me to the Lamb who all my sorrows took. My friend, you're a, God, uh, you're a gift from God the Father to God the Son. Read John 17. You're a gift, a love gift from God the Father to God the Son. Grace led my roving feet to tread the heavenly road. And new supplies, each, new supplies, each hour I meet while pressing on to God. We need it all the time, don't we? Grace taught my soul to pray and made mine eyes o'erflow. It was grace that kept me to this day and will not let me go. Grace, all the work shall crown through everlasting days. It lays in heaven a topmost stone and well deserves the praise. All right. Grace is free. That's what I told you kids. It's free, isn't it? That's what we don't deserve it. It's a free gift, right? Praise ye the Lord. Oh, praise him every nation. Grace is free. Yes, grace is free. Jesus had wrought a wonderful salvation. Grace is free. Yes, grace is free. Praise ye the Lord, ye islands of the ocean. Grace is free. Yes, grace is free. Come with your heart, or flowing with devotion, grace is free. Yes, grace is free. Praise him, all ye people. Praise him, all creation. Grace is free. Yes, grace is free. Christ on the cross made free and full oblation. Grace is free. Yes, grace is free. And the chorus, glory, glory. Glory, hallelujah. Christ has paid the debt for me. Glory, 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 hallelujah. I'm so glad salvation is free. All right, one more here. We can do the whole book, can we? We, we won't do that. Even the grown won't stay for that. All right. Old June Hawk going. You know, Thomas Mann knew her. He, I think Hannah did too. June Hawk's going. Who flung the stars out into space? And holds it, who holds them in their proper place? Who, like a curtain, stretched the sky to make a place for birds to fly? Who sends the wind, the sun, the rain to nourish fields? Of golden grain. 
who forms the seed, every detail, isn't it? And makes the wheat and gives us daily bread to eat. Who in winter sends the snow? Oh, tell me who, if you should know. Who like who had designed these lovely flake? What wondrous power did it take? Who made the never-ending sea? Old Tony talks about the water cycle. Who formed the grass, the vine, the tree? Who made the cattle on the hills and creeping things and rocks and rills? Who holds all things with his his hands? Who owns all houses, fields, and lands? Who keeps our soul each passing hour? No man has this almighty power. It is the Lord and he alone. Man has no glory of his own. We have no goodness we can claim that will publish his great name. He takes his thinner vain and wild and makes him as a little child. Subdues his will and guides his feet and draws him to the mercy seat. Let all creation lift his voice and the Lord let us rejoice. Let all his works praise and confess the glory of his holiness. Brothers and sisters, the bread on the Lord's chef tastes good to me. I don't know if y'all... I wouldn't mind putting a little grace butter on there and eat some of that. All right, come on, Isaac. Hallelujah. Kids, salvation by grace. Don't forget that, okay? Y'all stay awake real good today. Y'all listen to the usual. Let's stand and sing number 266, and we'll shake hands with Brother Zach and sing 